Hello, everyone. Welcome to Inside Stout, a UW Stout podcast that focuses on the stories of students, faculty, staff, and others from our campus community. I'm Rachel Hallgrimson. And I'm Pam Powers. And we are members of the marketing communications team here to share with you everything that makes UW Stout unique. Diversity, equity, inclusion for all is being discussed just about everywhere. It's a topic that is just everywhere. UW South has a long tradition of EDI education and in its long-range plan has made a commitment to build EDI even more on the campus. The university has the Cube, a resource for the queer community, and provides safe space training literally to anyone in the world with internet access to help build allies within the queer community. Today, we're talking to two students about the Cube and safe space training. Why don't you both introduce yourselves? Nikki, would you like to start? Sure, I'll start. My name is Nikia Stampfley. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm the graduate student intern in the CUBE. I'm working on a MSED in Student Affairs Administration in Higher Education through UWL, um, but doing my placement here at UW-Stout, um, and I'm gender fluid and pansexual. Hi, I'm Adriana Allman-Weinberg. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I'm a psychology major in my senior year at Stout, and I work at the Cube as a student staff member. I'm also bisexual. Well, thanks for joining us. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about what are some of the challenges you've faced as a member of the queer community you can talk about here at Stout or just in general. I know um, a couple things that I think about um, in the queer community, especially being um, queer in, you know, rural Midwestern America. Um, Acceptance is one thing. You know, there are some battles that can't be won in a courtroom. And while laws um, are being passed to ensure equity, um, there are still places where queer Americans are facing discrimination, fear, and hate that results in physical, mental, and emotional harm. And also here in the Midwest, um, unequal health care is something that I think is really big, especially being a gender fluid person under the trans umbrella. Um, we continue to fight for better access to health care and for um, equal um, treatment by doctors and healthcare professionals and health insurance companies that um, can discriminate based on sexual or gender identity. In, um, like there's 37 states that can... Uh, have health insurance companies that can block out trans affirming healthcare and gender affirming healthcare. And so 37 out of all that many. Yeah. There's 37 States where health insurance providers can um, restrict treatments that people need under the um, basis of their, either their gender identity or their sexual orientation. So you may not even be under the trans umbrella, but like gay men, can't get certain health treatments because it's seen as a um, result of a lifestyle choice and not necessarily as like a part of who they are. Adriana, do you have anything to add? Uh, The LGBTQ community faces certain mental health challenges. Let's talk about those challenges. What are some of those challenges? Well, part of it's just ignorance and discrimination and that can have a toll on your mental health, anxiety and depression and things like that. Where did you grow up, just out of curiosity? Um, my dad was in the military, so I moved all around the United States. Oh, wow. So, Well, on this campus, we have, I mean, both of you are involved in the CUBE, the Queer Community Resource Center on campus, which got a total upgrade. What was it? 
in 2019 when the commons reopened. I don't know, Nikki, if you have seen pictures of the old commons and just the, the spaces in general. It's very bright and like beautiful now. And anyway, so if you're listening to this and you haven't been there and you just want to visit, you totally should. Because Let's one, talk about the Cube and some of the resources yeah. they do offer because we want to make sure people are aware of them, particularly those in the queer community. Yeah, so we have a, a resource lending library where anyone with a UW-Stout card can check out books. We also have a TV and a um, pharmacy station and different resources available for people and a transformation station with clothes as well and lots of pronoun pins. What's kind of the cube meant to you as a student? It meant a lot coming here and to see that they actually had a resource center and a community at my um, previous community college, there was a very, very small group of us. But here at UW-Stout, there's a much larger queer community, and it's been very welcoming and validating for me. Did that have an impact in your choice to come to UW-Stout? I came here because my sister was going here at the time, but mm-hmm. I do like the environment and the majors offered, and yes, definitely the cube as an environment. So, Nakia, with doing your grad what, what's, what do you call it officially? Placement. Grad placement here. What has been your experience so far at the CUBE? Um, I've absolutely adored it. Um, I worked at my undergraduate institution, which was down in Southern Illinois. And so the student population is really similar. Uh Um, And so that was something that I thought translated over nicely. And one thing that I admire about the CUBE is not only do we have resources for our students on campus, but we also have resources for faculty and staff. Like we have um, our inclusive forms initiative. So if your department is working on like job applications or other types of forms and you want to make sure it's gender and sexuality inclusive, the CUBE, we can review those forms for you. Um, And then our safe space trainings, not only do we offer them to students and faculty and staff, but if you don't have a um, UW-Stout email address, let us know via email and we can get you enrolled in the online version, whether you're a campus partner, you're in California, or you're in Germany. Talk a little bit more about the safe space training and what it includes. Yeah. Yes. So the safe space training is designed to help students, faculty, staff, campus members, community partners, really anybody of any sexual orientation or gender identity or expression better understand and support and advocate for queer individuals. And it's designed to help participants learn how to identify homophobia and heterosexism on campus and in their communities and better familiarize themselves with the issues the queer community is facing and gives you tools on how to step up and advocate and be a better ally and not necessarily such an aware bystander, if that makes sense. I've taken the safe space training, and one of the things that has absolutely been a benefit for me is is the pronoun usage. Um, Most people probably know I was in journalism for many years, and we were very much the he said, she said, as you're writing your articles. So it has actually helped educate me about using the proper pronouns. 
pronouns, I think it's important to discuss them because just like somebody's name, you know, pronouns are a part of people's identities. And we work very hard to make sure we're pronouncing people's names and using the name that they want, whether it's their legal name or they go by a middle name or they prefer their nickname. It's part of their identity and their pronouns are part of their identities too. So just like in learning to pronounce a name, it's important we don't make assumptions about what people's pronouns are. And we're taking the time to learn those pronouns because using someone's real name and using someone's um, pronouns and, you know, it's not a preference. It's who they are. Those are their personal pronouns, not their preferred pronouns. It's suicide prevention. It's mental health care, um, especially in a world that wants so much for those people to not exist. It's important that we're using their right names and their right pronouns. So I'm thinking about these people that might find out about the safe space training outside of the university. How do you market it? I'm just curious. Like how, how do we, or is there room to grow in that area. I just don't know what's being marketed. Sure. Um, so off, uh, we're familiar with UW Stout Connect, that like social media campus groups platform, mm-hmm. uh, the cube. We also have mm-hmm. a Facebook and an Instagram and a Twitter and a newsletter that people can sign up for. And um, while the newsletter is through campus groups, non um, UW Stout emails can um, sign up for them. Sure. And we have been promoting the safe space training across our social medias. And we include a note and it's even on the cube website. Like, hey, if you're not a Stout affiliate, but you want to do this safe space training and don't have a stout email, email our um, program coordinator, Nicole, directly, and she will get you enrolled in the course and send you the link so you can take it. It's been absolutely fascinating. I know there are even groups that take it, um, work groups that have been taking it together uh, from across the state, across the nation, just because it, it was, number one, free, so they could have education about becoming allies with no cost, and they could do it just when they had time, wherever they were. So it's just a fantastic program that Stout's been providing literally to everyone. Yeah, and um, I think one thing that, you know, um, while COVID has been absolutely detrimental in a lot of ways, that um, put our safe space training into an online platform and so, mm. like a self-enroll course on Canvas for our campus affiliates. And then for those who are off campus, it's still online for them because safe space training used to be something where you would have to block off like two or three hours and we'd come into a meeting room and we'd facilitate sure. and have student panelists. And now it's you, while we do still offer the in-person trainings for people who want that fully immersive experience, we now also have a 75 to 90 minute online version, which is just better for some people's schedules, but narrows it down to that really clear, concise information that's important for beginning your pathway to allyship. Talk a little bit about the student panels. It, mm. I, that's one thing that's always I've remarked about Stout as well. The students are all, always seem so willing to share experiences, Mm -hmm. to help educate us. So one thing we have at the Cube is we do different identity panels. We have a bi-pan panel and an asexual panel, and people come and share their experiences as those identities and get to talk and connect with uh, other groups of people. And it's been a really good experience both as an audience member and as a participant. How have you seen efforts through programming at the Cube affect this campus? Like, whether in small ways or, like, in general attitude, like, do you notice, like, attitudes changing around certain, when people talk around certain topics or maybe it's smaller, like, I had a conversation with this person and they had a, and 
I, I saw them come to an understanding or something like that. Like, can you share any experiences like that that either of you have had? Sure. So the CUBE partners with other people and organizations on campus. Mm -hmm. One thing we did was a healthy relationships event. So people from the counseling center and professors got to give short talks on healthy relationships. Yeah, and everyone can learn from that. And that applies to everybody, every type of person. That's very cool. Do you have anything, Nikia? Um, I think one thing that like I've noticed, um, cause the cube it's existed since 2013 and initially it was kind of like a glorified janitor's closet. And then with the, um, Price Commons remodel, you know, it's turned into one of the most beautiful spaces between our student centers. And, um, We've had some alum that have come back who were maybe closeted during their time here. You know, like one gentleman, for example, was a 05 to 2010. And so the cube didn't exist. And he wasn't out yet because, you know, he just wasn't sure. And he was almost brought to tears by the fact that we have this now. And that's something that reminds me, like, why I do this work. Um, And seeing, you know, alum who come back and they're like, no, this is important. And it reminds me why, like, I made this decision. And it also helps, like, affirm in me that, like, there's still things happening here and we're still making progress. Mm-hmm. And I've also seen an uptick in um, staff members and faculty who on their university issued name tags get their pronouns, even if they use a binary program pronoun like she, her, hers, or he, him, his. I still see people put it on their name tags, um, which is something mm-hmm. I didn't see a lot in Southern Illinois, which I think is cool mm-hmm. and has to do with initiatives at the Cube and Multicultural Student Services and kind of the EDI mentality of the university has contributed to. I'm one of those folks that always like to talk about progress. Um, How are things changing? Are they getting better? It seems like I I grew up in an era, uh, you know, I was in college in the 80s, and it was during the time of AIDS when AIDS was really an epidemic within our world. And uh, that seemed to force more people back into the closet. How is it changing now? How are... how, how? Or what else can we do to even make it better? Visibility and awareness are so important, and that's one of the reasons why we're here as a CUBE. So even students who aren't out yet, they know that they have us as a resource if they need it. And people who are out and proud, they come to the CUBE to find a community. And it's really for everyone. Um, to almost kind of like piggyback on that in terms of like the visibility and acceptance component is like if you see something, say something. Like I mentioned earlier, don't be an aware bystander. Um, you know, don't rally behind them after something has already happened to them. If you see something, say something. If you see a fellow blue devil in trouble, you know, mm-hmm. protect the pack. Um, and even on or off campus, mm-hmm. yeah, even if they're not a campus affiliate, if you see something happening and you know in your gut it's wrong, I think it's important to stand up for it. Um, yeah. I th- yeah, that applies to everybody. I know that they say that at the Blue Raw event every year, and I just, and I know they mean it for everybody, of course, but it does need to be said for every community. I think it can apply just about to the world. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Let's be honest. It yep. can really... Anywhere you are, if you see something, say something. Hard conversations are always worth it in the end, even if even if they're hard or scary. Like that's what I've experienced. But um, Adriana, you talked about being visible, but then also the community aspect of people that are already out living their life and they want that community. One of the questions that we were thinking about was the support network. So whether that's being visible or it already existing for someone that comes to campus like how important is that 
but not just how important is it, how have you both seen it grow the people that have been a part of the community on campus? So one thing the CUBE offers is support groups. Mm-hmm. So they have graduate students um, in the marriage and family um, therapy program have support groups and all different LGBTQ students can come to those. And that helped me a lot when I first came to campus to find other people to talk to and have that community. How have you felt like you've grown? Like just as as Adriana, you know, just as you, how have you, have you gained confidence? You know, how are, how, what's your outlook on life? You know, I know we all have down days, of course, everyone does, but you know, just in general, like how has it, how has it made you who you are today? Well, I came out as bi when I was 19 and I'm 22 now, so it's been a few years, but it's been quite a work in progress. I've learned a lot about myself and about the community sure. and about others and just coming to UW-Stout And when I first came, they had Bisexuality Awareness Week. And just seeing that there was like a whole week for people like me, it just, it made me feel so like validated and included. Sure. Nikita, do you have anything? I know you're new to the Stout community, but even if you have a past experience too, I mean. No, um, actually I do have a little bit of an example. So as the graduate student intern, I get to kind of try my hands at some new programming, especially with, you know, our department kind of happened to take like a 16, 18 month break because of COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, And we had, and the CUBE hasn't had a grad uh, student intern in, you know, about two years now. Mm -hmm. And so uh, put together a meetup for on-campus grad students and professionals, whether it's faculty, staff, seasonal professional, what have you, um, for the LGBTQ um, community. And that was the first time that we have seen programming focusing on our grad students and on-campus professionals who are queer. And um, that having the space where they could go and just casually talk, have some refreshments, and not have to worry about well, can I say this without potentially jeopardizing, you know, my safety or my partner's safety or sure. any of my friends? I think that was really cool. And um, how often does that group meet? And about once a month. Um, we just had our first one, and it went really well. And we're hoping that in future ones, we can instead of it being strictly social, we can pull in some like pro devo stuff, like talking about how you know making the choice to be in or out at work and the pros and cons of both. Um, what it's like to try to negotiate job offers as a queer professional. Because um, I know one thing that I do um, almost every time I walk into an interview, I have to correct people on my pronouns because I've. Uh, I came out as gender fluid in 2017, have been using they, them, theirs pronouns exclusively since. And so just about every time I meet somebody, I'm starting by correcting them. And that feels really kind of defensive. And so talking about pro devo stuff, about being queer professionals and stepping into the professional world um, is somewhere that we're thinking about taking these meetups as well. Want to talk a little bit about, we've kind of touched on the mental health issue. How important is family either positive support or negative support and friends in the same way. I know for a lot of queer folks, they're chosen when they talk about their family, they're probably not referring to their family back home. Um, And we know that the holidays are particularly rough for queer students. You know, Thanksgiving and Christmas break is hard, um, especially if they're a student who lives in the residence hall and they have to go home while the residence halls close. And, you know, something that we talk about in student development is, you know, 
a stage that they go through is the identity of who am I, where am I, why am I doing this? And when they get to college, we're great at getting them started on that path. And then with some queer students, it almost hits a pause in November and December when they have to go home. And there's like a stunt there. Mm -hmm. And um, some students have absolutely, you know, P-flag parents who bring them to our table at, you know, FIRO and things like that and are really excited that we have a resource center. Mm -hmm. And then we have students who come to us the second week of class and they're like, hey, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, whoever was with me when I got my ID, my dead name's on it. Can we fix this? Um, And so um, some families aren't supportive, but lots of students have a chosen family. Lots of queer people, whether they're a student or not, have a chosen family. And whether that's their four weird roommates and all their houseplants Mm -hmm. or whatever it may be, um, having that chosen family, I think, is important because it's people who they have been their most authentic selves with and they have still chosen to be family. And uh, that level of support in the queer community when people who were supposed to love you unconditionally don't is really important. Can either of you talk a little bit about National Coming Out Day and when it is, what programming there might be here on campus and how students can get involved or learn more? Sure. Uh, So National Coming Out Day, uh, for those of you who don't know, it's an annual uh, LGBT Awareness Day observed October 11th to support those who might be coming out of the closet. It's a really big deal for a lot of people, whether they're coming out as a sexual orientation, romantic orientation, gender identity. It's a really big deal. Um, Here on campus, uh, we have an open mic night. Uh, to celebrate. Mm. And sometimes in the student center throughout the day, you'll see us tabling and giving out information about different queer identities, identify these flags. We used to, um, some years we have like a coming out photo booth Mm. and it's this big like rainbow, like balloon arch. And it's like, you're coming out and it's really cool. Um, And that's what we're looking into this year. But the open mic night is going to be on for sure. I love coming out and seeing uh, queer artists give their spoken word, their poetry, their music, their dance, juggling, um, just about any talent that our queer students, faculty, staff, campus partners, community members have. Um, That's a day to embrace all the wonderful parts of you. Sounds very fun. (laughs) How about Trans Day of Remembrance? I know that's coming up as well. So Trans Day of Remembrance is on November 20th, and it's a way to memorialize people that have been murdered as a result of transphobia and anti-trans violence. So it's really a day that we draw attention to the violence that trans people have experienced. But importantly, this year, we want to do a art showcase for Trans Day of Remembrance so people can have a space to relax and reflect and come together and remember and honor people. Tell us a little bit more about that. When will the art be up and where and how can we all see it? And if people might be interested in submitting some. Uh, Absolutely. So we're really excited about this because Trans Day of Remembrance sometimes is an event that can kind of re-traumatize queer people um, and trans folks. And this instead is an opportunity for remembrance and resilience. And that's the theme of our art show. And calls for submissions are already open, um, whether you want to submit 2D art, 3D art, drawings, paintings, mixed media. Um, Check out the Cube's website and check out our Connect page. And that's where you can find the survey and form to drop your artist information so we can get a hold of you. Um, Since Trans Day of Remembrance uh, falls on a Saturday this year, instead um, that Friday before, which is 
the 19th of November in the Gilbert Creek Room in Price Commons from 5 to 7 p.m. We will have the artwork up and displayed, um, probably have some light refreshments, and we'll have a reflection space as well. Um, we're hoping the artists will come and hang out so you can talk to them about their inspirations for the pieces because as long as it fits the theme of resilience and remembrance, we're allowing them to submit their art because um, who are we to say what resilience and remembrance looks like for one person to another? And our campus and our community are full of such brilliant and creative people. This is a very artsy school for a polytechnic school. So I am excited to see how creative our students get. Very cool. Well, I want to kind of bring it back home and talk about right here on our campus, what are the challenges that we face as a campus? And, you know, we want to end on a positive note. What would you both say about how we can improve? For the student, for the staff, for the faculty. If you just have things that pop into your head. Even for the community uh, yeah. of Menominee. Very true. Anyone who listens. <laughs> so one thing I would say for people who are allies, professors, students, faculty, anyone, don't assume. Don't assume someone's gender or pronouns or name or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, just the... Um Understanding and acknowledgement that gender is a spectrum, sexuality is a spectrum, romantic and emotional attraction is a spectrum. Not all of these things line up. And the differences, while they may seem subtle, they're important to some people, and it's important that we acknowledge and respect and honor those differences. Um, And like I mentioned earlier, if you see something, even if it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't right. Speak up for your fellow community members um, because intersecting identities are a big thing. And just because we're queer and that's the identity you see when something's happening to us, it doesn't mean that we don't have another identity that we share. So thank you both for visiting. I hope that everyone who listens to this today, whatever day you're listening to this out there, that you take something from this and that you make a plan and you write it down somewhere, put on a post-it note on your computer or where you work or where you go to school and you start to make changes and make new friends and get to know people through connections of how you just said, the ways that we're similar, the intersections where we're similar and let that be a starting point. So um, Nakia and Adriana, thanks so much for taking the time today. And you both have shared wonderful things with both of us. So I'll let Pam close out the show. Thanks very much. We're just going to remind people, subscribe to us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And don't forget to tune in next time when we share even more stories that go inside Stout.